I would like to talk to you about orcas. Orcas, uh, as in the whales, yes? Yes, as in whales. Orcas are obviously having a bit of a moment right now. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> as online as I am, I don't really know where this has come from. Well, I am happy to tell you about it, and I will get to why that is in a sec. I'm going to give you a mm-hmm. little background and so forth first, but I will explain to you why orcas are having a moment right now. Can we talk a little bit about the species itself first? Is it, I mean, uh, commonly known as the, kill, as the killer whale, yes? Mark Lewis. You're going to do that, are you? You think I'm not going to do that for you? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Listen, like I said, they're having a moment right now, uh, but they should always be having a moment because they are a pretty unique and impressive species. I've never been a big orca girl. Uh, preferring the deeply majestic whale shark as my deep sea giant of choice. Mm. But, credit where credit's due, orcas are metal as fuck. Mm. So, let's discuss. Uh, I've touched a dolphin, right? Okay. In the past, and I, in my head, in my imagination, I think the tactile sensation of stroking an orca would be similar to a, to a dolphin. Kind of very smooth, very rubbery. Oh, uh, nice. you know, kind of pliant on the hand, some some resistance when you push down. Really them. satisfying. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah. I, that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've seen orcas. I've seen how they shine and shimmer in the water, and I think they would feel the same as a dolphin. Uh, and they are dolphins, so that is go. probably very accurate. They are, they there belong go. to the dolphin family. So, I would venture if if you need to imagine the feel of an orca. Yep. While I tell this story, it's probably going to feel like your dolphin. And if you've never felt a dolphin, mm. come with me on this, stay with me. The okay. sensation is uh, is kind of like, you know when you bite halloumi? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of squeaky on your teeth? Yeah. Dolphin skin. Fascinating. Yeah. I got to try this sometime. Do it. <laughs> um, well, like you said, Mark. Uh, orcas are pretty interchangeably referred to as killer whales, mm. uh, but they were actually original, originally dubbed by ancient sailors, orcas ballenas asesina, which means whale killer. Nice. And that's basically what their Latin name means, orcinus orca, only cranked to 11. What orcinus orca means is whale of the kingdom of the dead. Fucking love that. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yep. Uh, metal riff intensifies. Yeah, it uh, sounds like a mastodon. Uh, <laughs> they got the name because these old-time marineros noticed that groups of orcas would gang up on larger whale species and hunt them. Mm. And while orcas aren't necessarily the vicious whale assassins that they thought they were at the time, they are incredible predators who hunt and eat a wide variety of prey. According to the organization Whale and Dolphin Conservation, or WDC, orca Mm. prey includes fish, seals and sea lions, dolphins and porpoises, sharks and rays, large whales, cephalopods such as octopuses and squids, uh, seabirds, and more. And uh, they 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 lead any anything essentially. Were they anything? Kind of, yeah. I mean, most things can be prey to uh, an orca. But the interesting thing about them is that all orcas don't eat all of these things. Uh, They're incredibly social animals and all of their habits, including eating, are cultural. 
So <laughs> they learn early on what their family eats, and then they don't really deviate from that. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, different cuisines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. our family eats Mexican food or Indian yeah. food or whatever. They have a thing that they eat and they stick to it. Love that. Which they learn yeah. from their family. And they learn it from their families. Oh. Uh, and that's really lucky for us because that means they have zero interest in eating humans yeah, because yeah, there's yeah. no practical reason for us to become a food source and thereby yeah. they never learn to view us as prey. Great. It doesn't mean they never fuck us up, though. <laughs> and again, I will come back to that. So I want to go first to the social slash cultural thing, because this will provide some context as to why they're in the news right now. Uh, orcas are super smart. Like I said, they're in fact a type of dolphin, and I think it's fairly common knowledge that dolphins are considered one of the most intelligent creatures on Earth. Yes. Uh, it's it's something you, you hear time and time again throughout life, isn't it? I To the it point is, yeah. where I... I question it. I wonder sure. how they really, how intelligent are they really? But <laughs> I mean, if the, they couldn't, you know, build cities or anything like that, but for uh, a non-human animal, they are extremely intelligent. Yeah. You, you also read about their capacity for feeling and emotion, don't you? Is, yes. is that is that something that, that is true? As far as we know, I mean, obviously when it comes to like animals and things like that, we have sort of two sort of issues here. A, they can't tell us, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we can make certain assumptions. You know, we, we've observed animals in the wild doing things that appear to us like human mourning and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, reacting in ways that we recognize. On the other hand, you know, it's always cautioned against to assign human uh, Exactly. And it's very like tempting to do it. Very easy things. to do it. Right. It's so mm. easy to anthropomorphize, to, to look at animals and be like, I recognize in that animal love. I recognize in that animal yeah. pity yeah. or whatever, yeah. because it's making a face humans make or something mm. like that. Um, but as far as we know, yeah, like they certainly do have some form of emotion that is recognizable and similar to things uh, that we do. If there were a way of humans communicating with an animal wouldn't that be amazing it would be amazing <laughs> it would be, be absolutely incredible probably change the entire attitudes the world has towards them although i don't know we're still pretty shitty to other humans yeah i don't know if it would. <laughs> so i don't know if it would but it, i feel like it would make at least some attitude changes if we could tell what well, they were saying we're physically quite similar you know to primates and monkeys and whatever and you know there was that fucking monkey torture ring story this week. Yeah, that's a good point. People yeah. can absolutely... It'd probably make us fucking kill them even more. It would probably make us even more shitty towards them, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's always a possibility. You know, hard know. to say. Sorry. Uh, but, of course, there's also that, like, old Far Side cartoon where it's like, you know, you can understand what the dogs are saying and they're just basically just going, hey. <laughs> <laughs> or the the seagulls in... Uh, um, finding Nemo, it's going yes, mine yes, over and yes, over again. Yes, yes, so yes. maybe they have nothing interesting to say to us. I yeah, don't know. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, anyways, knowledge amongst orcas is passed down from generation to generation, just like humans. Uh, and they have a pretty advanced system of vocal communication with each pod and family group having their own vocalizations and accents. I was going to say, yeah, this is something you hear about a lot too, isn't it? The regional, yep. uh, mm -hmm. regional kind of, um, uh, differences in, in the noises they make. 
Yeah, and that's because orcas are the only whale that can be found in every single ocean on Earth. And in fact, some argue that each group should be considered a subspecies because these cultural differences lead to various distinctions in their evolution, as mm. well, of course, as those distinctions in their diet and other habits and their accents and things like that. Yeah. One of those Love things that. is whale fashion in at least one case. Uh, famously, in the late 1980s, a whale was observed with a dead salmon dra draped over its head. And then throughout that summer, several members of the pod were also seen sporting little salmon hats. That's so cool. Isn't it? The trend spread, and it was popular amongst the whales for several months. And then but the behavior stopped. We are doing that. and We are now anthropomorphizing them, aren't we? We're saying that, it, you know, we're chuckling away, going, I had their own little hats, whale fashion. <laughs> that probably right. isn't what they were really doing. I mean, I'll kind of get into it, but it is essentially what they're doing, right? Like, I mean, they're not necessarily like, you know, oh, the cover of Vogue, this makes me a popular whale. Yeah, right? but yeah, But what yeah, they yeah. are doing is seeing another whale doing that. And because they're social and they have a strong culture between them, they're going oh, well, then I guess I should probably do that too. Yes. <laughs> and, Whatever they're doing uh, it for, the fact is that the fact that they're doing it at all is remarkable. Exactly. Yeah, that they're imitating each other and learning a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that the behavior stopped is basically, it's a fad. It's a trend that passed through. And then they stopped doing it just like mm. humans do. Mm. Uh, so to recap, orcas, super social, strong culture, learn from each other, copy each other, etc. And this can lead to some real fucked up behavior at times. For example, some orca groups who don't feed on porpoises will, as one article put it, quote, play with them to death. In the Salish Sea, particularly, a place listeners will recall from your tale of the severed feet a uh, while back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Orcas, orcas have been observed since the 1970s doing what res researcher Deborah Giles likens to if you were in a pool with your friends and trying to keep a ball above water, but you can't use your hands. Oh, no. She explains that, quote, they may surf with them, carry them around on their pectoral fins, and generally exhaust them to death. Sometimes teeth marks are found on the porpoise carcasses afterwards, but they're basically just from the whales holding them and passing them around. They never chomp through them like they're trying to eat them. Wow. And no one's entirely sure why they do it. It might just be a macabre game, or it could be a training exercise to teach younger whales the ropes of hunting. Yeah. Whatever the case, those Salish Sea orcas seem to love to engage in prolonged porpoise torture. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, you know, you say playing with porpoises to death. <laughs> right. That feels like a euphemism for torturing the poor yeah, fuckers. just I mean. torturing porpoises mm. to death. But apparently having a good time doing it, remorseless about the whole process. Is that better? <laughs> and in the past several years, similar behavior has been occurring between orcas in the Iberian Peninsula and boats. Since May of 2020, the Atlantic Orca Working Group has recorded 505 incidents in which orcas have reacted to boats. This can include just swimming up to boats and checking them out, but mm. some of these actually involve contact. In fact, according to re researcher Alfredo Lopez, in 2020 alone, they recorded 49 instances of contact between orcas and boats, with the vast majority of those orca attacks being on sailboats and catamarans. 
and a few on fishing and motorboats. And that stands out statistically, does it? That's more than before, more than pre-2020. Yeah, exactly. This is a seemingly new behavior um, Mm, over the past several years. Uh, Scientific American notes that the average length of the vessels attacked by the whales was 12 meters, or 39 feet, and that full-grown orcas get to be about 9.2 meters, or 30 feet long. So one adult orca is pretty close to the size of these boats they're getting up on and attacking. 30 feet? That's huge. Yeah, it's enormous. Like, wrap your head around just how huge that Mm. is. Um, And they seem to prefer attacking the rudders of the boat, which can then snap and make the boat incapable of navigating back to shore. Yeah. Three times since 2020, the orcas have actually sunk boats, which is why this has been in the news recently. Uh, Once in July 2022, when they sunk a sailboat carrying five people, once in November twenty in November twenty twenty two, when they attacked another sailboat carrying four, and once just recently in May of twenty twenty three, when they hit a Swiss sailing yacht that sank as it was being towed to shore. There were no injuries in any of these cases, by the way. Okay, okay, okay. So it, it's it's the the vessel themselves the, the vessel is being targeted as opposed to the right. people on it. Exactly that. I mean, that's what they know is that. They're sinking these boats, but then they're not, like, attacking the people who are on board. They're definitely going for the boats. Mm. In 2020, the researchers noted nine individual whales participating in the attacks on boats, three juveniles who are sometimes joined by a fourth, and one mixed-age group that consisted of an adult female called White Gladys, two of White Gladys's sisters, and her two offspring. Researchers noticed, noted that White Gladys was the only adult orca who was present at all of the initial incidents and posited that perhaps it was because she had been tangled in a fishing line and started associating boats with that negative experience. Thus, the attacks could be a sort of revenge for that or a way of trying to chase off these interlopers. That, that, that theory really does lend itself to, you know, intelligence and memory, doesn't it? Right, yes, exactly. And I think that is the thing we do know about whales, is that they do remember things, for sure. Mm. Um, But in this case, that's probably not the case. I mean, they pointed out that many of the whales in the Iberian Peninsula do have sort of marks and scars from being tangled up in nets and things like that. Mm. Um, So that's certainly a thing that happens. But (laughs) orcas have been through way fucking worse and never seem to retaliate against humans. Particularly in the 1960s and 70s, humans were super shitty to orcas, routinely capturing their young to put on display at places like SeaWorld and other such parks. Shamu. Shamu, exactly. Uh, Giles explained, quote, these are animals that every single one of them had been captured at one point or another. Most whales, multiple times. And these are whales that saw their babies taken away from them and put on trucks and driven away, never to be seen again. And yet these whales never attacked boats, never attacked humans. Mm. So as I said, of course, every orca population has a distinct culture. So the fact that the whales of the Pacific Northwest didn't fight back when their babies were taken away doesn't necessarily mean that the Iberian whales aren't vengeful. Whales don't speak human language, so we can't know for sure. Uh, But the attacking of the boats definitely does seem to be learned behavior, uh, and they take their time with it. While most of these attacks last under 30 minutes, sometimes they can keep on punishing these boats for up to two 
hours. Fuck, can you imagine how fucking terrifying that would be? I, I was honestly tr- thinking about it earlier. Like, just punishing, punishing, punishing. Two hours, you don't know if it's going to sink. Like, if someone's going to help you, any of yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. that would be super scary. Um, and as of just a few days ago, on June 22nd, 2023, uh, it seems that the behavior might be spreading north. Uh, while it's been... Res- all of this has been restricted to the Iberian Peninsula, to the waters off of Spain and, and Portugal. Uh, a man who was sailing a yacht near the Shetland Islands in Scotland reported that a killer whale rammed his boat repeatedly, first smashing into the stern and then coming around again to keep hitting it over and over again. But if this is, I mean, that's incredible, by the way. But yeah. But if it, if it, if this is in fact learned behaviour, where on earth are these Scottish orcas learning that from? <laughs> Right, yeah, I mean, that is the question, like, how does this get from one place to another? Is this just kind of like a random occurrence mm. that just happens to be happening while this other spate uh, of them is occurring? It's just, just a rogue orca. Uh, there's not really any way for us to know that unless that catches on. So if more of these start doing it in uh, northern waters, then it'll be like, okay, how are they learning this right mm. now? It could just be a one-off that this particular orca was like, fuck that boat. Mm. Uh, and that was it. Uh, but in this case, of course, no one was injured as per usual. There have been no verifiable in- uh, incidents of an orca killing a human in the wild ever. I was going to ask. I was going to ask. You know, do, do we have history of orcas? If Because they don't associate us with food, would it be safe... For me to swim alongside a pod of walkers. In general, um, there are places where people regularly are sort of swimming, boating, all kinds of things where orcas are all over the place. <laughs> and yeah. uh, largely, again, they have no real interest. They might come up to your boat or things like that. But um, there's an incident where like a girl was like bitten um, on the shoulder uh, but it didn't seem like, you know, it basically was like just immediately swam off. And that's usually the case is that if they approach a human, mm. they usually come up and then just like hightail it out of there when they realize, oh, it's not, it's not a thing I, I wanted. <laughs> and, you know, they, they don't hang around. They're not even like, you know, dolphins, like the kind that we're used to, a bottlenose dolphin or, or porpoises, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, usually, like, you know, they don't mind playing with humans. Like, they'll come up and, yeah. you know, you might touch one or they'll swim around you. But orcas really don't have much interest in us at all. But it is important to note, I did say they're in the wild. They yes. had not killed anybody. <laughs> yes, yes, of course, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> <clears throat> one in particular not only did kill a human in captivity, but became a whale serial killer. Yeah, yeah. That whale was called Tilikum, an orca who was in captivity for 30 years, first at a marine park in Iceland, and eventually at Orlando's SeaWorld Park, where he became their main attraction. In Iceland, Tilikum was already having a rough go. So he had been taken from uh, his pod when he was two years old. Um, He shared his tank with two older females, and because orcas have a matriarchal social structure, they would rake their teeth over him in a display of dominance, which Mm. caused him to be regularly isolated in a smaller pool to avoid that abuse from them and to treat him for uh, stomach ulcers. He had been living there for seven years when 21-year-old marine biology student Kelty Byrne slipped and fell into the pool with the three whales. 
who immediately seized upon her and dragged her under. Onlookers watched in horror as the whales played with their new human toy, Mm. letting her bob to the surface twice before yanking her back in a game that lasted 10 excruciating minutes. At one point, she had managed to reach the side and attempt to climb out, but once they let her get a little bit further away, they pulled her back underwater. That is no way to die. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And other staff members threw her life preservers, but the whales intentionally prevented her from reaching them. Bastards. Yeah, they were like, but as you know, someone who had worked there put it like basically these were understimulated whales and they had yeah, never yeah, had yeah, like yeah. a toy yeah, in yeah. their pool that like stimulated them in any way. So like all of a sudden you've got this person in there and they're like, holy shit, this is really fun <laughs> and yeah. went crazy. You know? um, and so, yeah, that's how uh, that poor girl died, uh, drowned. Um Where am I? So the park closed for good a year and a half later, and those three whales were transferred to SeaWorld in Orlando, Florida. In 1999, 27-year-old SeaWorld guest Daniel Dukes, who had managed to stay in the park after hours, was found dead on Tillicum's back. Duke had... Dukes had gotten into his tank naked, and while there allegedly is no footage of the attack, his body was covered in bruises and abrasions, and it was determined that he had been bitten to death although his official cause of death was listed as drowning. And how did, uh, I mean, it's speculation, of course, but how did he end up on Telecom's back? I mean, I feel like probably Tillicum put him there, kind of yeah, like yeah, the yeah. salmon thing, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, look what I've done. <laughs> yeah, look what, yeah, wee, look what look I've what got. I got. Look at my yeah. toy. Yeah. yeah, I think that's basically what happened. Mm. Um, in captivity, there have been more than 70 incidents of orcas attacking humans, and a former SeaWorld employee claimed that trainers were attacked regularly, with the incidents largely going unreported. He noted that this, of course, was easily attributable to stress. The orcas would become hyper-aggressive, mm. often, quote, gnashing their teeth, chewing concrete, and raking each other, and they often required medication for ulcers and other infections brought on by stress. It is fucking mad to me that uh all of this horrific self-destructive deeply upsetting behavior would be exhibited in these animals right yeah they're self-harming yeah like, exactly they, that exactly that and yeah what what, their... what what efforts did the park make to reduce <laughs> the stress on these lads literally gave them uh what's the valium they oh, gave them Valium hell. to okay. calm them down. Yeah, yeah. just, okay. it's horrendous. Um, the And the absolute worst incident uh, occurred in 2010, when after a Dine with Shamu show, Tillicum grabbed his trainer, Don Branchot, and pulled her underwater. Branchot was a dedicated trainer, known for what supposedly was a strong bond with Tillicum, quote, mm. based on love and trust. But on that February day, as tourists looked on, Dawn lay next to Tillicum on the side of the pool and was suddenly dragged into the water by either her ponytail or her shoulder. Mm. From there, he went on to absolutely mangle her. He tore her left arm out of its socket, severed her spinal cord, broke several of her ribs and her jaw, and scalped her. Tillicum, They found her... What? Tillicum, no, you... (laughs) No, shouldn't do don't that. do it, buddy. They found her hair and skin at the bottom of the pool after the attack. 
She died from a combination of drowning and blunt force trauma, and after the attack was over, the whale held on to her body for 45 minutes while staff attempted to distract him to no avail. It wasn't until they were able to corral him into a smaller tank that they calmed him and got him to give up the corpse. Scalped her, you say. Tore her hair off. Scalped. Tore all the flesh right off the top of her head. Mm. Which is one of, like, those... That's one of those things, that, like, if it's in a movie or something like that, it's like, instantly I have to look away. It is just, oh, one of the most horrible things that I can imagine happening to a person. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Mark, orcas, man, <laughs> are obviously deeply deserving of our respect. Um, should not be in marine parks or in captivity for any other reason than no, for no. rehabilitation. Um, and they can, they can fuck you up, man. If you can stress and distress an animal to the point where it self-harms, where it intentionally yeah. harms itself. Fucking hell, that's horrid. That, that, that speaks to, you know, what what is the inner life of this creature? What mm-hmm. is the inner fucking... Right. What are we actually putting them through to, yeah. to the and, point where they kill and, and harm themselves? That's vile. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, I think it does, like, something like that, again, speaks to intelligence of yeah, animal. Yeah, yeah, Because that's not usually... Or at least what emotional capacity. Do. Right, yeah. Emotional intelligence, if nothing else. That's not usually how um, animals respond to stress, you know? Mm. Um, and so the fact that they do that is, yeah, it's horrifying. And and just like, you know, I'm not like a complete anti-zoo person or things like that because I have been to many zoos that the point is conservation and yes. animals are usually ones that have been rescued for various reasons and stuff like that. Yep. And I think that's great. But like... It's incredible. I mean, SeaWorld's not a zoo, right? And a lot of marine parks are not zoos. They're just animal torture chambers where they keep stuff around and try to convince you that, like, oh, this is conservation, this is education, and things like that. Yeah, it's study. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just money, and they don't give a shit. Boo. Boo. Don't like it. Uh, Don't like it. And the fact... Oh, I can hear birds. I can hear birds. Birds. I don't know how to close my window. So uh, don't. You sorry shouldn't. For the it's birds wonderful. People. It's wonderful. But um, <laughs> are there any prevailing theories? Is there any kind of has anyone taken a stab at an explanation as to why suddenly they're attacking boats? Um, I mean, yeah. Obviously, there are people who think it might be intentional, like revenge or whatever, but for. As something seen like in that, uh, Jaws Four, that's pretty much the story for right, why the yeah. shark is. <laughs> This is real life Jaws 4. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think generally they're really not entirely sure, but it is, it does certainly seem to be some form of social behavior. So it's that at one point, and it seems like White Gladys is kind of the originator of this. White Gladys started attacking ships, going for their rudders, and has somehow taught (laughs) other Mm. whales to continue doing the same thing. So it may simply be like the salmon. They're just copying what they saw another whale do. Or it may be intentional. They're somehow communicating to, you know, that these are bad people. If we could only speak to White Gladys. If only. What would she say? (laughs) 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 Fucking humans. That's what she'd say. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise en scène. I don't think 
anyone has ever said me well said in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so, outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm going to leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Big week to be me, Mark. Big week. How, how so? How so? Listen, as you and regular listeners will know, yeah. uh, I both love and fear the sea. Uh, the sea is not to be fucked with. It is absolutely not to be fucked with uh, under, you know, any circumstance. And, and this is a bit of an obsession for me. Like, I, I have this, said yeah, before, I, I straight up would have pursued marine biology if I could pass math classes. Uh, <laughs> my favorite genre of horror is famously boats. You know, good old boat core. Mm. Uh, I've always argued <laughs> that any movie set on a submarine is inherently a horror movie, even if it's not. Uh, and, and this week, Mark, our episode is going to revolve around that very reality because I, like many people around the world, was glued mm. to the story of the missing Titan submersible this right. week. Glued doesn't even come close, right? I, no, I, it certainly does not. I lived, ate, slept, breathed, and shat this fucking story all <laughs> goddamn week. I could not right. fucking tear myself away. It was... It was it was everything that mm. that that I am enthralled with and fascinated with in terms of world events. Oh, watching it play out in real time, um, watching kind of global reactions, watching social media's perception of the event change and warp into something else, which we'll talk about later on. Yes, uh, it was it, it was a Joag event, wasn't it? In in mm. in. In oh, every... absolutely. This is what this show was made for. Yes, right yes. Here. A live Joag event and everything that we speak about on this show. The, the you know, the, just the, like you said, boat core. The fact that it's, it's a direct kind of a result of man's hubris. The mm-hmm. horror within there, the, the, the tragic comedy of it. There was, there was fucking, yes. there's comedy in this story too. Absolutely. The yes. humanity of it all. It is... It was such a fucking jog story, and it was it was yeah it was a treat to share it with with everyone who I shared it with this week. Yeah, it was you know the subject of our group chat all week long, all week long, uh, yeah. which was you know wonderful. I just felt very bonded and connected to everyone that we were all fixated yeah. on the exact same thing. I mean, also for those of us who are very fixaty uh, and <laughs> tend mm. to hyper focus on a thing, give something to hyper focus on. You know, I know you are a constant news watcher i do not ever put like a 24-hour news channel on ever 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 i read news i do not watch it um and 24-hour news to me is like white noise or (laughs) you know or like a sleep mask it's yeah it's a comforting (laughs) kind of it it's 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 a baseline for me i have to have the news on somewhere at some point you've seen how i react to talking heads and things like that Mm. uh listening to the news with you uh and obviously gets my blood pressure way too high listening Mm. to a bunch of idiots talk about shit so i i can't do that it does not have that same effect for me however i had the news on while i was doing things pretty much the whole week that this was happening and this this event 
just played into one of the one of the reasons why I'm so fascinated and enthralled in how world events play out. You know, just seeing things develop and change in real time. Uh, just seeing how different media outlets sculpted the story in different ways. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fascinating. It was an absolutely beautiful example of you know of of a of a, of a story which will not let me go. Yes. And also, I just, I love a media event like that, too, where we're all, it's yeah. like, you know, Balloon yeah, Boy yeah, 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 yeah. back in the day and things like that, where we are yeah. all for a moment, like, transfixed on the same thing. Yep. Um, There's the kids in the cave, the cave kids. Yeah, right. Yep. That absolutely. was another, uh, going back mm-hmm. a few years. Um, Chilean miners. The Chilean miners, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, weirdly, right, another another event which stands out was the death of Michael Jackson. Oh, sure. Yeah, right? definitely. Seeing mm-hmm. different time zones coming online and learning of it and piecing the fucking, you know, piecing the, 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 the story together and what, what is fact, what is not. Right, yeah, that was yeah. that was another one which, which got me good. Yep. Uh, and while I didn't want, I was not gotten by this one, but most of the world was, uh, Kobe Bryant was another of those situations uh, yep. where there was a lot unfolding and over the course of like two weeks it just was non-stop in the in the media and in conversations and living in southern california literally like i was driving to la and like entire sides of buildings were like lit up with kobe bryant graphics and stuff like that and Mm. you know yeah like a big event like this is always super interesting so that is going to be what our main topic will be we're going to be delving into the horror of uh, this situation, delving mm. into the tragedy of this situation, the comedy of this situation, and the discourse surrounding it. Uh, so if you, like us, were deeply drawn into this, or if you were like so busy all week, you have no idea what we're even talking about, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. buckle in, folks. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot here. Pack some extra batteries for your Logitech controller, because <laughs> we're going down. <laughs> Indeed. But first, um, we want to inform you that this coming Saturday, the 1st of July, 20 and 23, we will be doing a watch along. Yes, folks, it's watch along time. And I'm struggling for a topic. You have a topic, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it was a journey to get to a topic. Corey and I discussed this before hitting record this evening. I, in light of the Ocean Gate, you know, event... I was wondering if, <laughs> if maybe there's a uh, a kind of a, a claustrophobia watch along. You know? No. Is there no, no, no. A kind of a tight spaces no. running out there kind of? <laughs> there isn't. I <laughs> I nixed this. Uh, <laughs> apologies to those of you who are already excited uh, about this concept, but uh, I have barely been breathing this whole week thinking about this sub as a deeply claustrophobic person. Uh, and I fear that were we to watch a claustrophobic movie, I may simply die. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's not, not going to do topic. that. What do we say instead? Corey, remind me. We said we're going to do a summer themed movie, a summer, summer slasher themed, or something. We're along right that in the middle of the year. We've just had the summer solstice. The longest day has been and gone. So, what better time uh, to uh, just enjoy a watch along of summer horror? What are your. Mm. Give, 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 give me some examples of summer horror. Sun soaked. Uh, brightly lit, you know, right there out in the daylight, 
slices of horror for that. Anything that topic. takes place at a camp, right? It falls it, under that. Yeah, category, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Midsummer <laughs> probably isn't, 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 isn't. Invited. I think that's a little too hard for. Too long. It's too long. Too long. It's, it's, it's not in the watch along zone. It's in, in that yeah. it's actually a fucking hell of a good movie. Um, yeah. So other than yeah. Midsummer, yeah, give us your ideas of summer themed yep. horror. Suncore. Suncor, yes, I believe you pioneered that name a while back. And yeah, yeah, the brighter the better, honestly. I really do love that kind of category of like horror that's still scary in the daytime. But anything in the genre, send it over to us. Mark will get a poll up this week. You know Uh, the score by now. Yes, and it'll be a grand old time on Discord. Kick off your 4th of July weekend with us watching some Suncor. We would love it if you would make that choice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we would. We think it would be the smart choice. It would. Well, smart people do that. They do. Yeah. And if you it's wanna... been proven. Yeah. So, you know, we don't yeah. want to we don't want to tell you what to do, but just no. saying. Um, Mark, did you watch anything this week? Oh, I did. Didn't you have book club last night? Oh, I did have book club last night. Uh, it, what it was, was the book? Delight, what were you reading? As always, the book was Manhunt by Gretchen Felker Martin, uh-huh. which uh, had mixed reactions to it um it's trans horror if you have ever read trans horror um it goes hard (laughs) it is very very gross lots of body horror um you know everything is deeply visceral um yeah a lot of a lot of sexual violence um but yeah it was it was a great conversation um around it i think you know a smaller group because i think a lot of people sort of noped (laughs) out out of this one because it was uh, a lot to sort of get through Uh, but we had great conversation as usual and just a really wonderful bunch of people who always show up there Um, shout out to Dan who shows up all the way from Australia you know Um, and just to the crew who just keeps on coming showing up even when the book is hard work oh Uh, I love that yeah, it's absolutely wonderful, and I have just such a blast. We have we have listeners in Australia. I had no idea. I know, right? Like, come <sighs> on, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and he says all kinds that. of very Australian things, like heaps. <laughs> it makes me smile. <laughs> nice, very nice. <laughs> yes, oh, that's um, really, really put a smile on my face. That is, I think that's awesome. Has I can see it. it mm. Just in case people were questioning whether that's true, he is smiling. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, uh, anything worth noting that you've watched this week? Uh, right, so Slim Pickens this week. <laughs> Let me tell you something about the UK. UK has been super hot this week. Mm, yeah, um, same here. It's been one of those, you know, it's too hot in the daytime. It's too hot in the evenings. It's humid. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. It's sticky. It's yeah. So the vibe has been very, um, it's been a sweaty kind of a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let that inform your 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 views on the past week that, that both Corey and I have gone through. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Possum, okay? I've, I've seen a movie called Possum. Okay, tell me about it. Uh, I don't know that if I've heard of this or not. Okay, so it's a British movie from, oh my god, I want to say like 2017, 2018? Give me a sec, okay. when did Possum release? <laughs> Wouldn't want people to get it confused with all the other Possums. No, certainly not. 2018, yeah. So, movie from 2018 called Possum. Now, um... Super British, right? Okay. Very, very tight. Very small cast. Uh, almost entirely led by 
if I say the name Sean Harris. Mm-hmm. Funny looking guy. Yeah. You know who Sean in, Harris. Yeah, I know who, who Sean Harris is. Okay. So he's in like a lot of stuff. He's got kind of like, he's got a look of a man who's seen some shit. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Um, didn't he, Was he in one of the Mission Impossibles, possibly? I think so, yeah. I yes. think you're right. I couldn't tell you which one, but I do believe he was in one of those. So he leads Possum, uh, which is a psychological thriller uh, with horror kind of vibes. Okay. Um, I know that plenty of times Corey and I have sighed and shrugged and gone, at movies where the baddie, the demon, the ghost or the spook or whatever, the monster is actually trauma, right? Right. <laughs> Yes. Now, Possum is one of these fucking films. Okay. okay. Our guy, uh, Sean, Sean Harris, he plays a guy called Philip. He returns in in some disgrace from an, a, a job in academia. We're never told quite why uh, he was, you know, uh, kind of sacked from his role in, 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 in a school or a college. But we also know that uh, Philip, this guy, is a... Uh, a puppeteer of sorts, right? One of the skills he's got is he's a, an ex-children's puppeteer. And throughout this entire film, Philip is carrying around this puppet that he has built called Possum in a leather hold all, right? Mm. He's carrying this puppet and we, 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 for the first kind of third of the film, we see glimpse of this puppet. It's kind of arachnid, spidery kind of legs and a human doll head. And it's okay. fucking, uh, it's a triumph of prop design. It's fucking scary <laughs> as fuck, this puppet. Yeah, it sounds horrifying. Um, but over the course of the film, uh, we are able to piece together Philip's past. Uh, and uh, spoilers if you're going to watch it. I, I, I unreservedly no, don't, don't spoil it. Because okay, this okay, feels okay. like something that might be worth watching, but also that everyone hasn't seen. So yes. like, don't spoil it. Um, It's great, right? It's fucking brilliant. It it. It passes my uh, dramaturgical kind of checkpoint, my test, because it would work great on stage. It's such a such mm-hmm. a tight little film with such a tight cast. Um, but over, you know, piece by piece throughout the film, we work out just exactly what is the nature of this fucking puppet. Uh, you know where it where it comes from in his life, and and what has led him to be this fucking exiled, cast out weirdo, for want of a better word. Okay. Um, I enjoyed I'm interested. it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a great deal. Uh, again, when I say it's 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 British, it's so British, right? <laughs> it is okay. so British. And in what way? It's it's very it's quite grim. It's quite grimy. Okay. You know, characters with dirty fingernails, fucking homes, hmm. dilapidated homes gone to seed, uh, post-industrial kind of broken down fucking landscapes falling down buildings dilapidated kind of communities it's 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 a downer it's not a fun movie by any means okay. right yeah. um but uh, interestingly i only i only realized this afterwards it was written and directed by none other than matthew holness fucking garth marenghi oh yeah interesting very interesting because it is it's in stark contrast to his stuff in <laughs> In character, you know, the, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's in. It's by no means a satire or a pastiche. It's a, you know, it takes it takes itself very seriously. It's a proper kind of proper bit of work. The soundtrack is fantastic. Seems like it uses subtext. Yes, indeed. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's dripping with subtext. This film. <laughs> um, soundtrack by the the Radiophonic Workshop, 
uh, which is a uh, w- which I believe were once associated with the BBC, the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. But this is the first Ooh. time the Radiophonic Workshop has scored a motion picture, and it is abstract and jarring and and kind of atonal, uh, like a, almost a threnody of a soundtrack. Um, oh, what? A threnody, right? So a threnody is a kind of musical composition which relies entirely on dissonance and Ooh. atonal and amelodic. It's almost it's almost nega music. It's the opposite okay. of music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I really enjoyed it, uh, even though it's a it's a trauma film. Yeah. Um, it's yeah atmosphere and vibes for fucking months. That gives me a little bit of pause, but... <laughs> but no, it's an actual film as well, right? It's got okay. a beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay, right? great, 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 I great, promise. Cool, cool, cool. It's not the type of film where you can watch the first 30 seconds of it on a loop for 15 minutes <laughs> and not realise that there's something wrong. It's not one of those. Right. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. I will I, check it out. Sometimes I think of us doing that, and I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, it was the first seven minutes on a loop. Uh, oh, right. Okay, that's better then. <laughs> oh, we are such dumbasses. The places we go in search of vibes. <laughs> Still haven't seen that movie. Whatever No, nor have I. Nor have I. I don't think I ever Burn me once. Movie. Yeah, quite right. Um, <laughs> but possum, 90% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes with a audience score. Let me see. What's the audience score? It's surprising to me that you still look at Rotten Tomatoes. I was shocked because we watched a movie together this week and you looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes. And Rotten Tomatoes to me is like just so unreliable. Yeah. (laughs) Like I always use Letterboxd because that's like real people Mm. rating shit. Doesn't usually get review bombed. Like yeah, that's uh, a good Rotten point. Tomatoes does. Like... It do, it, it's done quite well on Letterboxd too, but it's a 53% audience score and 90% critic score. So do with that what you will. That is usually my, you know how I feel about that when the critics like it a lot and the yes. audience doesn't. I'm like, mm, yes. Mm, uh, okay, we'll see. But I will, I'm going to give it a whirl nonetheless. I would, I would love you to try it. <laughs> but I have seen, there was something else that I watched with uh, Sean Harris in it. Um, like, I want to say, like, four or five months ago, and I don't think I made it through it because it was, like, just, mm. like, vibes or whatever. Like, it just felt like it was, like, very hollow. I don't know. Hollow is the word that comes to mind, but where it's just kind of, like, it's very deep and intense, but also nothing is happening. And, um, you know, I was like, eh. I, I eventually gave up on it. But Well, possum is deep this. and intense, but it's, you know, it... it, it it has a fucking, it's a movie, it's a story, it's a proper film. You know? Right. If people talk, that's usually People good talk, enough. conversations are had, characters yeah. are developed, events take place, there's momentum, but it's also yeah. got vibes, but it is a downer too. Yeah, because I think that's usually, that's like, you know, you talked about this last week, I think, about how like you, you kind of can get into um, a movie where... Like, it's got the audacity to be quiet. I love that. <laughs> and Possum and I has usually that. There are long, like... long periods of time without dialogue. And with this this permanently kind of ever-present dissonant soundtrack, it's, it's lovely. Really good <laughs> The Stranger shit. was the one that I was thinking of uh, that Stranger. I watched, which is like such a like a name of a movie that's been done a million times. Isn't the, it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the... IMDb says two men who meet on a bus strike up a conversation that turns into friendship for Henry Teague worn down by a lifetime of physical labor and crime. This is a dream come true. 
it's him and Joel Edgerton. I think in it, Joel Edgerton plays like a an undercover cop or something like that. And okay. he's like basically befriending Sean Harris to try to get information. Um, yeah, it was it didn't work for me. I did not finish it. But <laughs> you might actually enjoy it because it is kind of more along those lines of, mm. you know, long silences and um, kind of that tone of bleak and dark yeah. and grimy and yeah. yeah quiet miserable um miserable it's deeply miserable <laughs> uh i watched this week amongst my views uh, a movie called polite society have you heard of that okay. one or uh, i don't think so um i've been seeing trailers for it and it looked like fun it is um a movie about like a pair of Pakistani sisters um, who one of them wants to be an artist. The other one wants to be a stunt double or a stunt woman. Uh, And the movie is a Kung Fu movie, but kind of mixed together with sort of a coming of age story um, that has these like big Kung Fu sequences that you kind of, they don't feel real, but at the same time, there's never an indication in the story that they are not actually happening. Yeah, so yeah. like when, you know, someone's confronted by a bully at school and they have like a big fight or whatever, there's never a point where it's like, and this was her imagination and they move on. It's like, it acts as if it happens. So you're never entirely mm. sure. Um, you know, are, is this a world in which like just everything happens in Kung Fu battle or not? Which is, like a kung fu movie. Um, and so it's really, it blends like basically the older sister um, meets a guy and sort of gives up on her art dreams to be with him. And the younger sister is like deeply upset by this and tries to interfere in that relationship. Mm. Meanwhile, accidentally uncovering that something much more sinister is happening. Nice. Um, and it's like, it's just a really cool sort of blend of like a kung fu movie in the classic sort of way, and this very, like, um, emotional story about a pair of sisters and just, like, normal things that sisters go through and just adding this, like, heightened (laughs) level to it. Uh, So it was really cute. Polite Society, I think, is just, like, a lot of fun. You know, you get to watch these girls kicking ass. (laughs) Um, You get, you know, a little bit of that, like, teen coming-of-age stuff. and yeah, it's really. I sweet. don't know if I've got the entirely wrong end of what you're describing here, right? Okay. But it, what you've just described feels almost like a Scott Pilgrim kind of thing. Kind of. I mean, I hate Scott Pilgrim, so it's kind of hard for me to like put it on that level. But I think in a, in essence, that's kind of because there's the no indicator in Scott it. Pilgrim that all of these yeah, ridiculous this fight isn't scenes happening. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I think it is kind of like it in that sense. Um, Yes, it's just like this is kind of a thing that consistently happens over the course of of the movie. And yeah, it's never explained away. It just is a thing that happens. (laughs) So yeah, I think in that sense it does have that. It's called Polite Society. I'm going to write that down because I want to see it. Yeah, I think it's really worthwhile. And I think, I mean, it's got some like sort of like saucy humor references to sex and things like that. But I think ultimately like you could probably watch it with your kids uh-huh. Um, I mean, read the parental guide on IMDb or whatever, but, um, I think like for the most part, it's not something that like is, it's not gory or anything mm. like that. There's like mm. blood and stuff, but it's not like, you know, nobody's getting eviscerated or anything. Okay. It's just kind of an interesting coming of age story taking place. It's in England. So in a British school. 
Nice. Thank you. Sidebar. Good rec. Yeah. Anything else you watched? Let me see. Uh, like I said, it was slim pickings this week. Um, uh, apart from Possum, nah. I mean, I dozed through uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy while Owen watched that. But no, Such nothing. A bad movie. It is awful. Nothing separately apart from our joint watch. Okay. Well, before we get to that, um, mm. let's see. I, I, it was like the I don't know thirty something anniversary of who framed roger rabbit and i think every year when it comes around to that anniversary and people talk about it on twitter i have to put it on (laughs) and so i watched that the other night and that movie just continues to be an incredible masterpiece of a film that it's insane that it was ever made (laughs) Um, and i'm in awe of how they made it and how seamless this is a movie made in like 1985 1986 somewhere in there Mm. that i mean just seamless blending of the cartoon world and the uh, live action characters contained therein. And um, yeah, it's just such, it's such a good movie and is absolutely horror. I don't care what you say. Some of the most terrifying imagery of my entire childhood comes from that movie, including Mm. the sneaker being put in the dip, um, Christopher Lloyd getting run over by the steamroller, and then when he comes back and like reinflates and has mm. the creepy eyes and all that kind of stuff, like this stuff scared the shit out oh, of yeah. me. When and that I was, was a kid. obviously its intent. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is, it this knows is the what edge it's doing. I talk about when I spoke about yes. fucking Goonies last week. That's exactly right. the edge I talk about. It goes. Yeah. It goes for the fucking jugular. Yeah. Um, they weren't afraid to scare the pants off us. No. At all. Not. I did share um, a. I did retweet a thread about. Uh, who made Roger Rabbit last week? Um, full of kind of facts about its, you know, it, it's 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 unlikely creation genesis. Mm. Just the fact that you know Warner and Disney reaching any agreement to share their characters on in a movie <laughs> in 1988. Fuck me! Can you imagine that happening now? Right? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> Unbelievable. And yeah, you're right. Um, just a a subversive, uh, anna anarchic, uh, you know, a, a film which. The effect of the film belies the intense fucking work that must have gone into it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. And I think one of the things that is so, like, the sort of, like, way that this closes... I mean, this is a story of L.A. and actually basically a cartoon version of what really happened mm. in L.A. Of, uh, you know, the the... I don't know if gentrification is even the right word, but the way that, like, freeways were put in to separate... Yeah, parts sure. of LA demolished the the cultures that were in these little parts of LA which were largely racial right like it w- often was about you know splitting up the black people from the white people um, in LA and the the Mexicans and all that kind of stuff but like the story when it reaches the end you know and they're kind of like having that tongue-in-cheek conversation about you know like well, it would be stupid to put a freeway through here. We have public transportation, you know, and then like uh, him being like, I bought that up too, you know, and, and you're like, fuck, that's actually what happened in L.A. That is how they destroyed L.A. and why we have that sprawling hellscape that we have there now. What mm. a thing for like a cartoon kids movie yes. <laughs> to, you know, have at sort of the center of it. So I oh, haven't seen it so in good. a year or two. I saw it quite recently and mm-hmm. uh, I was just struck at how even if you even if you pair away the cartoons it's it's like a really tight detective story it's like an actual fucking it like is. functional noir yeah and i mean um 
what's his face plays it that way. Yes. Um, what is his name? Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Yeah, he absolutely plays it <laughs> like the actual legit noir that it is. Uh, oh, just such a great movie. If you've never mm. seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you got to get on that. And if you haven't watched it in a while, rewatch it. You're going to be really pleased with yourself. Um, I watched a movie that I won't talk about at length, but I just want to bring up. I watched a movie called Cuban Fury last night, uh, in which Nick Frost plays the romantic lead in this rom-com. Huh. Um, and it's got quite a cast. It has Rory Kinnear. It has, um, jo- Rashida Jones, um... Uh, Chris O'Dowd, like just everyone in it, uh, Olivia Coleman, <laughs> they're like big names all all the way across the board in this. Uh, and, and the premise of it is basically that when he was a kid, he was like a champion salsa dancer, and then uh, some bullies beat him up, uh, and he quit. And as an adult, he ends up with a crush on his boss, played by Rashida Jones, who is really into salsa, and it reignites his passion for salsa and he tries to you know get back into it in order to sort of win her heart uh meanwhile chris o'dowd is sort of the villain of this who uh is a giant asshole who is just Mm. trying to sleep with her um and is constantly rubbing it in nick frost's character's face and you know fat shaming him constantly and telling him how worthless he is and everything Mm. Uh, and nick frost is just so charming and delightful in this i was like i just want I want a thousand more rom-coms with Nick Frost as the lead. I was like just swooning. He was so charming and wonderful in this movie. Nice. Um, and so, you know, I think I really, me and Keo both really enjoyed this movie. It has like a very low, like Rotten Tomatoes score and stuff like that. Um, so it's hit or miss for people, but uh, I thought it was delightful. Cuban Fury just, oh, if Ian McShane can... is in it. Also. Oh, wonderful. Like, but yeah. if you can, if you can, if you can get Nick Frost as a romantic lead, mm-hmm. anyone you could write. If if the if the the movie is right, if the script is right, surely anyone could play a romantic lead if Nick Frost could. No, I don't think so. Oh. I think that's the like misunderstanding is like I think because you know he's like fat and plays like a lot of goofy characters or whatever. People think oh that can't be that's like an oddball romantic lead where in fact he is an extremely charming person. You know, <laughs> like and he carries himself super well and i think he is an attractive guy he just happens to be fat uh and like once you get past that like societal hurdle of like mm. oh fat people can't be romantic leads like you're like oh he's actually like this is a super charming dude it's, uh, it's his size isn't what i was referring to there though i mean i think it like it kind of has to play into it though you know like that's kind of why he gets cast as the things he does, whether it's you going, oh, the fact I can't be romantic leads or whatever, it explains why the things he normally plays like the, are the things he normally plays. What I've seen him in thus far, and he's known, you know, Spaced, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, fucking, um, what was that fucking horrible movie he was in with Simon Pegg where they have an alien with them? Oh, God, voiced Paul. By Seth yeah, that Rogan. was awful. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. In none of those, in none of that have I seen any kind of range from him? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying is like, I think that's a thing by virtue of what he looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay, okay. nobody casts him in something as other than that mm. guy. Um, and this movie was like based on an, on his own idea 
Um, and, you know, I think he, like, executive produced it and all this kind of stuff. So it's like the only person who's putting him in a movie where he doesn't play that guy is himself. Yeah, fair enough. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think anyone can play him romantically. I think he genuinely is just, like, mm. he's very charming. I follow him on Instagram and I'm constantly like, God, I love this guy, <laughs> you know. Is uh, it, I'm, I'm put off by his association in my head with Simon Pegg, who yeah, I just I can't fucking stand. <laughs> I, can't stand I know you hate Simon Pegg, and but, to, you know. to the point where whatever Simon Pegg is attached to is ruined for me by association. I can't, I can't <laughs> fucking stand him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, that's fair. I don't agree on that, but I do like Nick Frost more than I like Simon Pegg, for the record. Good, you know. <laughs> and I think that's the thing is like Simon Pegg became like a romantic lead type guy and like why would he be a romantic lead either mm. you know um sometimes those unlikely folks end up surprising you uh but yeah so cuban fury i don't know watch it don't but if you're in charge of making movies put nick frost and more romantic stuff um and then today while working on stuff because i you know Wanted to put something on in the background, but it needed to be something I had seen a million times. I watched two things. I put on Jaws, and I put on its spiritual sibling, Nope. And both remain perfect five-star movies to me. Nope, I'm certainly going to revisit. But you you couldn't... I know I'm I'm, uh, preaching to the choir here, but you you couldn't be more right about Jaws. It really is bang on, isn't it? Perfect yeah, shit. absolutely. It'd be silly to try to argue with that case. Just a perfect film. Yeah, Oops. yeah. Just kicked my totally. trash can. <laughs> but yeah, both of those were delightful, and I've seen them a million times. It was just nice to have them on as I mm. researched my boat core, my whales, and my submersible. Wonderful. And then together, we watched a film we received as a screener. Mm. Which... By the way, it felt super cool and glamorous and sexy. It did, yeah. It Didn't was kind of neat. We had to like put like a code into a website yeah. so that we could watch it. Many thanks to Tori who connected us with uh, some folks that would uh, give us screeners for things. Um, and in this case, we received a screener for Mad Heidi. Was it Mad or Bad Heidi? It was Mad Heidi, but I accidentally called it Bad Heidi and then it got stuck in both of our heads that way. Mad Heidi. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, on paper, this is probably a movie that I could be, you know, that I would I would look at its constituent parts and go, hey, that might be something I would quite enjoy. Um, but it, it, it wasn't. Uh, let's think. Wait, I don't even know where to begin, really, because even it's a mess. The plot, maybe? Let's... It, it's, it's a mess, but... <laughs> Such a lot of fucking work has clearly gone into this film. Yes, right. It is a refined mess. It's a yeah, yeah. It's a mess, but you get the impression that that's exactly the film that these, you know, that this team were out to make. Right. Yeah. yeah? It's not accidental. Everything about this is, is intentional. They had yeah. the funds to make this the way they wanted, and this was the movie yeah. they wanted to make. So this is an uh, a hyper stylized. Uh, action horror, I guess I'm going to call it, yeah. for, for want of a better term. Sure. Um, yeah. Played entirely for laughs. Uh, not a serious kind bone of. in its body. <laughs> um, you've got... Uh, the first time I've seen him since Starship Troopers, Casper Van Dien. 
It's the first time you've seen Casper Van Dien since Starship Troopers. Yes, it is. I don't think I've seen him in a single other movie except Starship Troopers and Bad Heidi, Mad Heidi. Um, okay. We're in Switzerland. Uh, first World War, Second World War. I mean, I'm not sure. Switzerland there of fucking ages ago. There are somebody who's Nazi-esque. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, Switzerland has been overtaken or, or, or kind of seized by a uh, evil president who's... Fuck me, man. This film is rough. Who, yeah. who, who seizes control of the population of Switzerland by cheese... By cheese. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and the, I guess, the sort of persecuted population of yep. this world, the representing of the Jews and all the other people who are persecuted in the in the Holocaust, yep. are the lactose intolerant. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're the, the kind of the sub for the Jewish people. Um, now, if that joke, right, if that joke didn't grab you... That the president of Switzerland is controlling the masses by making sure that they only eat one particular type of cheese and that lactose intolerance is a crime, right? If that hasn't grabbed you, then steer the fuck away from this film because... You're shit out of luck. Holy fuck, do they plow that furrow. Yeah. Right? This... They fucking hell. You know when words lose all meaning after you say them a lot? (laughs) Within 20 minutes of watching Mad or Bad Heidi, I don't even care to get the title right at this point. (laughs) Um, the word cheese, 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 cheese. It's, it's, they, fuck me, the people who made this film were convinced that that was a goer, that that was funny as fuck. Yeah, it was deeply funny. Which is like very, you know, when you're like a kid, cheese is like a very funny word. It can be. You know, it's like, ha ha ha, cheese, and when you talk about cheese. Monty Python dined out on it for a long time. Yeah, but as like a 37-year-old woman... Yeah. A food item that I eat regularly has ceased to be hilarious yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, and thus this... Oh, no. I was about to say it milks the comedy. Hey. Nah, come on. It's fine. That's fine. <sighs> We're above that. We're above all that. <laughs> um, yeah. It drains the comedy from this movie. And you said, you know, there's not a serious bone in its body, but it tries to play it very straight. Uh, and so it's not goofy enough for this premise either. Mm. Uh, where it is, you know, it kind of has the tone of a movie I actually quite like. Uh, a lot of letterboxed reviewers apparently don't, but I quite enjoyed Iron Sky. Um, I thought that was, I like Iron you know, Sky. Yeah, yeah, I like Iron Sky. I think Iron Sky is a lot of fi- fun, and it's definitely kind of trying to be yes. along those yes. lines. Visually, it has a lot in common with Iron Sky. Everything is composited, yes. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you get the impression that you're watching, like, a digital collage. Yes. Uh, you know, you you get the sense that performers are acting opposite one another, whereas not sharing the same physical space. Right. It all looks cobbled together in After Effects. Um, mm-hmm. You know, huge explosions, geezers of blood, fucking overblown gore and fucking exploding heads and, and limbs being torn off, blah, blah, blah. But none of it is tangible at all. It all it's all very ephemeral and digital looking. Um, yeah. And and that's as you know that is not my jam at all. Right, yeah. You know, uh, at, at one at one point you messaged me. Oh well, this film doesn't hold back on the gore, but yeah, but it looks like shit. It, <laughs> loads well, of and it was like I felt like there was a degree it. of like they'd start with something practical and then they'd 
add yeah. CG to it to be yeah, like, to make it. Layer after layer Yeah, excess. and then you're like, like the initial, like someone gets shot and their head explodes or whatever. And it's like, that's kind of cool. But then they just like add yeah. layers of CGI to it to, you know, make it even bloodier. That takes whatever, yeah. like, oh, shit, that's crazy out of it. Because yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah, no, and now, you know, it might as well just be spraying a bottle of corn syrup at me. Yes. Or, or, or not, you know what I mean? Didn't... Yeah, or not. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, then, you know, it's it's stylized in the same way as... <sighs> this is a, a, a companion piece of Sisu, which we spoke about a couple of weeks back, right? right? Because it's very much a product of uh, people who are at an impressionable age when Planet Terror <laughs> and fucking Death Proof mm-hmm. and Machete came out and still, some 25 years later, now have grown up and, uh, you know, still think it's cool. Right. <laughs> and as such, there's just, I mean, it has that, there are parts in this that feel, like, racist, for one. Like, You're right. That Listen. were shocking. Yeah. <laughs> um, On more than one they, occasion, it, it raised an eyebrow. Like, what the, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, like, okay, uh, no. Because it's trying to do, like, an exploitation film thing, but the thing about like exploitation films especially like things like black exploitation for example sure. is like part of it was the golden age of black exploitation was made by black people exactly. and then it got yeah, really yeah. offensive when white people took it over because it was successful yep. and it's like if you are not in that community and you try to do black exploitation shit <laughs> like this no. is going to go horribly awry um so there was some moments like that i mean it really feels like it trivializes the holocaust uh as well and i i do enjoy like a a nazi themed horror movie you know i think you can do a good nazi exploitation film uh for for all of my kind of bile at quentin tarantino inglorious bastards is a great laugh oh i hate inglorious bastards oh you do but i do think there are good uh you know Nazi films. I mean, Inglorious Bastards obviously does the things that, like, I deeply hate of just trying to, you know, white saviorize, like, Americans rah, 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 like, you know, all of that kind of shit. I, yeah. So, um, but, like, generally, I think that you can do, like, kind of good Nazi exploitation. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. But this, like, just feels like it's, like, trivializing and racist and, (laughs) yeah. There's also a distasteful undercurrent of homophobia in it. Mm, um mm-hmm. oh let's see how do we illustrate that uh the uh you know the 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 nazi commander here is a deviant freak oh he likes getting mm-hmm. pegged oh there we go right yeah oh. exactly is that, is that it is that really the one yeah okay. oh okay <laughs> like, yeah so i don't know um it was not Any not good? our cup of tea at all apparently a lot of people loved it but this is also a crowdfunded movie so yeah. i think there's also people who are like committed invested, to liking this movie invested in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah literally invested um in it so i don't know i think you know we have a lot of listeners who like sort of bad movies and stuff like that and can enjoy them and perhaps might be able to get some enjoyment out of this but i do think some of the like kind of offensive stuff in here does sort of drag it down and also that like one of the big problems is it's just kind of boring you know like a yeah. not a lot really you're spending a lot of time in this movie basically following this heidi um, who, you know, sees her boyfriend get killed by our cheese Nazis, and then she herself is dragged off to, like, a women's prison camp thing. Uh, and it takes a long time before that 
story gets anywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to where then she's like sort of trained up and, you know, is going to exact revenge. And the steps to get to that point are really illogical. The plot Arduous. is so hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, why things happen <laughs> don't aren't really explained. Uh, and so, yeah, I think more than anything, too, it's like it's just kind of dull. Yeah. I, this isn't something I'm saying here for the first time, right? I've said this time and time again, but what it feels like here is that a load of effort and time and money and sweat has been expended to make a film which is bad on purpose, and I can't fucking get behind that. Right, yeah. And I don't know. I feel like bad on purpose is the wrong phrase because I don't think I don't think it's supposed to be bad, right? Mm. I think it's supposed to be cheesy, you know, mm. as the tagline is, like, you know, this is a cheesy movie. Um, and it's supposed to be, like, base humor, right? Like, it's supposed to be lowbrow funny mm. more than bad. So, yes, there's humor in, like, the badness or whatever of it. But I think it's not su- – it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to make you laugh at the baseness of it. Um, more than anything else. Because I think they mm. put a lot of effort into making it not bad to make mm. it visually appealing yeah. and things like that, even if it fails. It's more kind of ersatz bad, isn't it? It's faux bad. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which, um, no, it's not for me. <laughs> so J- Jack of All Graves does not recommend Mad Heidi, but hopefully the next screener that we get will be, uh, you know, the Listen, the, my, my favourite thing about Bad Heidi was the act of watching Bad Heidi. Watching a screen that we got access <laughs> right. to. That fucking, that was... That's pretty cool. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is sexy, Mark? Ooh. Uh, no, nah, go on. <laughs> uh, you know, submersibles. They are. Well, they are. <laughs> They're very they really sexy. Are. At least to a certain contingent of uh, well, rich americans big jim cameron's mariana trench exploring submersible that's sexy mariana 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 trench Trench. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's quite a sexy little submersible he's got there um yeah uh buttons and like functioning safes yeah submersible um let me let me just explain what has happened this week again in case people were just too busy to know what's going on or if some years down the line someone was listening to this and they don't remember or you know hadn't heard jackable graves is a living historical document exactly so this is oh boy and is this just a part of that to you of the future who are tuning in just maybe just you maybe you've picked this episode at random uh Mm. just for a little glimpse as to what life was like in Western civilization, in the middle of 2023. Yes. Here's what's been going on this week. Here has what be, what's been going on in our neck of the woods. Yeah. On Sunday, June 18th, 2023, mm. the Ocean Gate Expedition's Titan Submersible lost contact on its way down to see the ruins of the Titanic. What ensued was five days of speculation on what could have happened to it, with three main options here. One, they were floating around on the surface of the ocean somewhere, waiting to be rescued. Two, they had snagged on something underwater, perhaps the wreckage of the Titanic itself, and would need to be pulled up somehow. Or three, 
there'd be there'd been some sort of breach to the submersible and they'd pretty much instantly imploded like a crushed soda can. In the end, it turned out option three was mm. what had happened, which was honestly the base, best case scenario because this fucking thing was an absolute death trap and its passengers had spent somewhere in the neighborhood of a quarter of a million dollars for the pleasure of chumming the waters of the Atlantic Ocean with their bodies. So, Mark, let's talk about this vessel for a minute here. Do you want to start with the and vessel itself, do you? I, I would, unless you have a, a different suggestion. I would. No, I mean... by all means. Right. To talk about the vessel is, dif- is difficult without also talking about uh, the, the, the CEO of OceanGate himself. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which I, I have in here, yeah. Yeah, I mean the 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 vessel seems to be a product of that guy's work ethic and vice versa, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, exactly. A guy called Stockton Rush. Mm-hmm. The most yes. made up sounding American name. It's like It really is. Like you've <laughs> hit an American name randomizer. Yeah, exactly. You can see him as like rush. the rich villain in yes. like it's a very John Hammondy character name, Stockton Rush. Stockton Rush. Um, now Stockton Rush is a man with a dream, right? Mm-hmm. Stockton Rush is a man of means, a man of you know not inconsiderable financial resources, yes. but he's a man with a vision. He's a man with a fucking monkey on his back, man. He can't get enough of going underwater. He fucking loves it, <laughs> right? Fucking love it. Yes. And and it'd be easy to then of course like compare him to someone like James Cameron, right? Yeah. Um who has a similar fixation and yeah. has spent his not uncon- inconsiderable means on doing exactly the same kinds of things that Stockton Rush was trying to accomplish with this submersible, but there yeah. are some very key differences that I would like to sort of go through about this. Stockton Rush so- isn't fit to fucking mop James Cameron's brow, right? No, absolutely not. As far as I'm concerned, Stockton Rush is a murderer. <laughs> like, that's what I this sort of comes to down that. to. I think yeah. there's a lot to that. So let's talk about the construction of this vessel, and then we'll get into this. Mm. Um, since this whole fiasco started, multiple people have come forward who had opportunities to take a ride on this thing, but declined due to huge safety concerns. Yeah. Uh, amongst them, my favorite travel host, Josh Gates. You might remember that I went and saw him live earlier yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and as one Twitter user pointed out, Josh Gates talked in his memoir about flying an old aircraft that were actively disintegrating while in the air. Like, <laughs> full on, in an episode of Expedition Unknown, the roof came off of a plane that he was in. So, dude is no stranger uh, to deeply dangerous situations, and even he... Was given the opportunity to be on this thing and was like, this is an absolute hard pass. Mm. So, as you said, the sub was designed by OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush, uh, who acknowledged in a televised segment with CBS, CBS Sunday morning that this thing was cobbled together with parts from all over the place and was operated with a Logitech video game controller, which you yes. could get on Amazon for approximately $60. Mm. He claimed that the carbon fiber tube was designed, quote, in conjunction with NASA and the University of Washington and was intended to be failsafe. But NASA has since clarified that while they were consulted on the project, they had nothing more to do with that, with it than that. 
they certainly never were like, yup, concept is sound, take it to the ocean floor, bud. Not what they did there. <laughs> the sub is about the size of a minivan and has no seats inside. All of the passengers sit on the floor and take turns peering through the porthole to see the Titanic. This already <laughs> sounds fucking miserable because the journey is about eight hours long and that is way too long to be all crisscross applesauce with no mm. way to stand and stretch your legs. Uh, I honestly, I'm doing it now. I'm stretching out my legs. I find it hard to breathe and I keep having to stretch my legs out every time I even think about this situation. I cannot imagine this at all. Um, and on top of that, the passengers are then bolted in from the outside, meaning they have no way of freeing themselves in case of emergency. Which was one of my... You you know, you, you explore all of the potential outcomes, right? right. And I, for me, I, I, I was fixated on the fact that because you couldn't open this fucking thing from the inside, even if they were somehow bobbing away mm -hmm. on the surface... Yes. They couldn't just open the door and fucking jump right. out and go for, and, and swim back to shore. They would have to wait exactly. for somebody to find them. Uh, an area the size of Wales that was the search. <laughs> oh, okay. Box. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it was entirely possible that they could just be bobbing away on the top, watching the world go by <laughs> while they suffocated. Exactly. Just yeah? watching they could the be just waving out the porthole. Clock the tick down, the down on their... Whilst... On the thing. On, with an to this it was not a thing i put in there but like on top of that like of course we've seen the toilet that they had it was just like a little box or whatever and uh one of those little things like at hospitals they have a little plastic jug yeah, for yeah, urine yeah. Yeah. and they only were equipped with like a water bottle and a sandwich according to someone else who had um done this trip before so like like what kind of contingency is that for like the yeah. the smallest thing if there was some reason that like there was an easily fixable thing oops something happened and well, it's going to take us 24 hours to get you off the bottom like they didn't have any backup food how much room does sandwiches take up you just <laughs> you know? used the magic word contingency i mean one thing that became clear during the first days of this event were that were that that, that stockton rush was a man who would systematically stripped away all mm -hmm. contingencies from this vessel in the name exactly. of cost. Yeah, precisely that. And, you know, with that whole thing of, like, being bolted in and everything, like I said, there's no way for them to get themselves out in case mm. of an emergency. But they wouldn't have much of a chance of it anyway if the, circum if the like, surfacing mechanisms failed because it can't raise itself other than these mechanisms that it has in place. It can't steer, it can't drive around. It's not a submarine. That's not what it does. No. Um, so if it were caught for some reason in the water, it would have to be pulled up by something else, um, of which there aren't really any Probably like done. in existence. No. <laughs> um, they're too deep in the water. Submarines can't go down as far as they were going. That's why you don't have submarine trips to the Titanic. Regular submarines can't go there. Other submersible submersibles don't have the power or equipment to bring them to the surface. So, you know, that's neat. Um, there are, or were, I should say, <laughs> seven different mechanisms to raise the submersible to the top. So, you know, that in that case, there were sort of contingencies, right? They looked at it as we have plans upon plans upon plans to get this thing back to the top of the water. But none of that would have been helpful if it got stuck in yeah. something, right? If it somehow breached the Titanic and was like sitting in it, there would be nothing that could bring it to the top. Um, 
And, and then <laughs> there was no beacon on it. So like you said, let's say they lost comms, but they didn't implode and instead were drifting somewhere on the top of the ocean. That is the size of whales, as yeah. you put it. That's yeah. like finding a needle in a haystack without a it beacon is. to lead people to them. And it's absolutely bat shit not yeah. to include it on your vessel especially because the sub was white, white making yeah. it near impossible to spot from an airplane yeah the fuck dude like are you serious and, and you know we're just beginning to scratch the surface of how bat shit this all is right we, we absolutely we, we aren't even yeah there's so much more. so much more <laughs> but you know this, this, I have more about the sub, just in case you were going to change subject. Oh, but... no, not at all, not at all. But Okay, continue then. This CBS interview that you, that you spoke about when you were talking to David Polk. Yeah, that's going to wrap Stockton Rush right was so fucking cavalier about mm-hmm. how dangerous his, you know, the project was. Uh, the, this fantastic quote from him. Uh, you know, at some point, safety is just pure waste. I mean, if you just want to be safe, don't get out of bed. Don't get in any car. Don't do anything. At some point, you're going to take some risk. I think I can do this just as safely while breaking the rules. Okay. The phrase at some point is doing a lot of heavy lifting there yeah, because yeah. there is a deep chasm yeah. between like, oh, I like, you know, I absolutely will not do things because I'm scared of it. And mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go in this deeply untested sub that everyone says is a death trap. Like, <laughs> that's huge. There is a, a huge, at some point, is covering a lot of things he could have done yes. to make this safe and did not do. Um, and it, it, it's so unnecessary because he wasn't pioneering something per se, except in the sense of how many people he was trying to take with him. Mm-hmm. His submersibles have been going down to the Titanic for ages. Jim Cameron did it like over a decade ago. Uh, And again, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, according to that correspondent, David Polk, that we've been talking about, the only safety gear inside of the sub are a fire extinguisher and fire masks. And that's basically because literally that's the only kind of thing you could control. If anything else goes wrong, there's nothing you can do. Mm. Uh, And he noted that things go wrong on just about every single one of their attempts to dive down to the Titanic. Losing comms is pretty much par for the course. This was multiple people who have been on that sub have said that this is just like, they constantly lose the submersible. Uh, There is pretty much always a point during the journey where they lose contact, which is deeply disconcerting. That's a thing that you would think the first time it happens, you'd be like, I better fix this. It shouldn't be a thing that consistently happens. Um, And over five days of attempts, so that's how this expedition would go normally. They sit above the Titanic for five days and they attempt each day to go down to it. The sub would usually only make it to the Titanic once or twice. Uh, In the 2023 season, it had not managed to reach the Titanic a single time. Every single time something went wrong that prevented it from getting down there. (sighs) So... Like I said, the technology to go down to the Titanic and a submersible already exist. Uh, James Cameron did it, uh, but there's a lot of noticeable differences in his sub. Have you seen his submersible? Uh, yes, I have. And uh, I've read at length about how every single fucking feature of that sub has redundancy built in, has failsafe yes. built in. Um, yeah. You just look at the two crafts side by side. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's clear that Ocean Gate are not serious people. <laughs> right. That's exactly, that's the best possible way Do you know what I'm saying? of looking at that. Because you look at, yeah, look at those two things. Notably, James Cameron's vessel can fit one person in it in essentially the fetal position. There is yeah. very little space in that thing because there is so much built in, like you said, redundancy after redundancy after redundancy to make sure that this thing is safe. A great example, right? Um, the 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 Cameron craft. Uh, but the, one of the key. Um, and listen, hey, I am no engineer. Let's fucking get that. <laughs> Let's get that. Yeah, we're not going to act like we no know anything we're talking about here because we're not stocked in fucking rush. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, the 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 concept of ballast is a huge deal mm, when it mm-hmm. comes to submersibles, right? The ability to drop ballast, drop weight from your craft. To yes. enable, uh, you know, uh, a smoother kind of ascent. Um, yep. The Titan used uh, construction pipes, right? Literally off-the-shelf construction pipes uh, for ballast for to to weigh yeah. the craft down. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if the the mechanism for dropping that ballast, which was everybody moves to one side of the craft <laughs> to spin yeah. it a little bit so the pipes drop off, if that mechanism failed, the craft is fucked. Cameron's craft uh, has a uh, has the ballast co- connected by a cable which degrades in salt water. Mm, mm-hmm. So after twelve hours, the ballast will drop anyway, and it's and the fucking trip is over. Yes. You come back to the top automatically, and that's just one failsafe right. for one system. Every single fucking system: comms, propulsion, uh, you know, ascent, ascension, descension, lighting. Everything had failsafes built in and fallback procedures built in mm-hmm. the fucking titan had nothing right nothing like i mean like i said it claims there's seven ways that it could push itself back up to the top but mm. yeah it's it's not like that <laughs> you know it wasn't uh those kinds of systems because the focus of that of the titan was to carry more people and therefore yes. be lightweight in the first place you know they said that this that the titan allegedly should be able to basically go into like a dead man mode where if everyone in there were passed out um and and power had been cut it should have still been able to to raise itself obviously we'll never know if yeah. that worked because it imploded um you know that was it's kind of like what do those fail-safes do when it's not safe to put the pressure of water on in the first place, right? Because another one of the elements of this was, like, uh, the windows or the porthole, right? Just it boasted yep. Yep. having, like, the largest porthole in a submersible vessel of this kind. Uh, but that porthole was not rated for the depth that it was being taken to, mm. uh, which is obviously one of the things that you should be most careful of. Um, Just so ridiculously insane. Uh, So uh, in order to make this into something you could take a group of tourists in, they used carbon fiber, uh, which is light, but also pretty much untested in deep sea settings because it has a tendency to crack and break suddenly. Mm. They were lucky it didn't do that the first time it ever dove. Repeating it, repeatedly doing it was just continuously putting this material under extreme yeah. stress and making it almost inevitable that it would fail. 
I think one of the reasons why Stockton allowed his hubris to take the wheel here was because he'd got away with it a few times. You know what I mean? Right, that, yeah. That crack he started to feel untouchable. But I'm back and forth to Titanic a few times feeling good. And so all of a yeah. sudden, I've broken the rules and the craft works. Da 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 da. Exactly. The right. best description I've seen of that in action. I mean, because you you know you could you could be you could you could talk yourself into thinking that that craft was safe when you've done four or five trips down. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a road outside my house, right? Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could probably get away with crossing that road with my eyes closed a few times. Sure. Yeah. But if let's say on the fifth time I get hit by a car, does that mean the first four times was safe? Right. Does it fuck? I've got away with it. Yes. Yeah. That's 100% the case. Mm. Um, you know, and, and in 2018, Oceangate fired an employee, David Lockridge, when he raised concerns that the submersible was unsafe. And then they went on to sue him for breach of contract when he reported it to OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which uh, I talked about a few weeks ago uh, being formed after the Radium Girls situation. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Lockridge said that he had been told that he had told Oceangate they needed to do more testing of the sub's hull and that he'd been fired when he, quote, objected to Oceangate's decision to perform dives without non-destructive testing to prove its integrity. He pointed out that Oceangate would be sending paying passengers to the bottom of the ocean without telling them that non-destructive testing hadn't been performed and that hazardous flammable materials were being used in its very experimental design. So, as has been shown famously, yes, they signed a waiver detailing the many ways in which they could die, but they were being led to believe that these were highly unlikely scenarios uh, due to rigorous testing of this sub, which actually had not been performed. Mm. Meanwhile, Stockton Rush had said in interviews things like, you said, safety is a waste, and that his sub would be invulnerable which is, you know, eerily similar to the Titanic being Isn't called it? unsinkable. The, <laughs> like, the parallels the absolute, are delicious. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, and he basically sort of pushed back against the haters, saying that people who criticized him were just trying to stifle innovation. innovation. Yes, innovation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> so yeah, so that's we, the sub. So what we had this week, what we, what we saw unfold this week was this fucking crank of a man this rich penny pinching crank yeah uh among the crew with four other people in this air quotes vessel uh which lost contact with the the kind of the platform ship that it was launched off uh i think after like an hour or so of, of the, yeah it was of about 90 minutes i believe yeah. yeah yeah and from there the world's media uh, just descended on the story, speculating what the fuck has happened. Are they are they stuck on the ocean floor? Are they uh, have they are they squished? Are they chum? Uh, right. Are they bobbing about on the surface? And all of this was just the direct fucking line from Stockton Rush's fucking crazy crazy ways of working. Uh, and and the reality that we find ourselves in this week, you know, no one seeing the story could be under any doubt as to what the fucking cause was of this problem, right. you know. And that was what was, and I know you're about to get to this, but like, mm. you know, the horror of this situation. Um, before we really knew like a ton about it, what we really got was like 
looking at this sub that he had created and bit by bit kind of being like, wait, this yeah. sounds awful because we were getting this countdown, right? Like of the 96 hours of spare oxygen in this minivan with no seats. Yeah. And what would it be like inside of that thing presuming that they were and we've, alive, you know, we've right? Again, we've only scratched the surface on just what a fucking, you know, a, a, a bolted together clusterfuck this craft was. <laughs> You know, right. just instructions scrawled on some of the instruments in Sharpie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't even like a top end fucking game controller he was using right. to steer the fucking thing. It was like a third party. It cost less than the one that you broke and had to replace. Yes, it did. Uh, considerably less. It was like a $30. Uh, I think it was like 60 as it okay. turned out. But okay. still, I mean, come on. Yeah wild like and so i think that's kind of where we started in this news cycle right like when it first sort of came out it was like this thing has disappeared um they are on limited oxygen and of course that conjures for you like what a claustrophobic nightmare these people are in like deeply when you think about what was happening down there freezing cold Uh, temperatures no food no water you everybody has to watch you take a shit Right. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, panic is going to start to set in. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the people on that sub was 19 years old. Like, you can't imagine it would have been a deeply calming experience for everyone in there. Um, just running out of oxygen with nothing, you know, just hoping someone will come and unbolt you from this floating tomb. Mm. Uh, that was where we joined the conversation about this thing, right? And it and it took on a whole new shape the more details came out, especially about Stockton Rush and about the passengers. Yep. I mean, I, again, it, it was it was just exhilarating watching it unfold, watching detail <laughs> after detail after detail come to light, seeing public opinion changing, uh, mm. you know, listening for the kind of the subtext that you're hearing in the news some of the you know some of the some of the phraseology they were using hang on they're already fucking dead aren't they you know <laughs> right. what i mean it's it, mm-hmm. yeah it was it was such a fucking fascinating thing to watch unfold yeah absolutely and we were there for every step of it mm. um i mean it's such a fascinating case because i think you know there have been people who are like you know, why do we think people reacted to this the way they did and all yeah. this? And I, I think there's a lot of really straightforward reasons for that. Because um, one of the things that was so fascinating about watching this is, aside from some people who were doing some scolding for the tone people were taking, there was a lot oh, yeah. of humor in how people were reacting to this based on various elements of uh, of what had happened here. Yep. Um, I mean, as as it often is in times like this, even still with the you know the damage that Elon has wrecked on it, Twitter was still very very funny. Twitter was very funny, um, and I think it was fascinating out the gate that that was sort of a large scale reaction. That for mm. the most part, you know, obviously everyone's Twitter is a little bit of a bubble, so you only see certain elements of it. But it really felt like. Um, Humor was the way that largely the internet was dealing with this. Um, And and that comes in part from like something that you learn in sixth grade history about, you know, Greek myth and the idea of hubris. Right. We have all sort of throughout the history. uh, Icarus, right. Like, Like through the history of humanity, we have always found a sort of tragic irony and comedy 
from hubris, from mm. the idea of getting too big for your britches. <laughs> and that's, like, the first thing about this. I've I've said many times on this cast that I find, I find man's hubris just to be f- so funny. I love it. I love watching people get too big for their boots. Fucking around and finding out is one of the right. things that I could watch all day long. And this, this yeah. is that writ large. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, at its core, for one, we're reacting to, like, the more information we have had or got about Stockton Rush and about this sub, uh, the funnier that got because it was so clearly a bad idea, you know, using a gaming controller. Like, holy shit, this whole thing was so intensely, obviously going to end in someone's death eventually that, you know, yeah, we're going to laugh at the irony of of that whole Mm. situation. Um, And then, of course, we found out who the people on board were. Now, yeah, Uh, that's when public (laughs) opinion kind of started to change. I mean, what, what I've taken a stab at doing is looking at just kind of the timeline of how events unfolded. Ooh, the, yeah, the, go on. The, the angle that the media took and mm. just how, just on a dime, on a sixpence almost, you know, the the public opinion of this, at least from, you know, at least from Twitter, mm-hmm. just soured. Yes. Uh, so the first article showed up around six days ago, right? It was about, uh, and I'm talking about UK time here, about half four uh, in the afternoon on Monday the 19th, right? Okay. That was when the BBC picked up the story. Uh, Titanic tourist submersible goes missing with search underway, right? No Ooh. detail at that point, no real detail at that point, just right. uh, just the broad facts. A massive search and rescue operations is underway. Da, 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 da. Nothing about the, the crew, nothing about Stockton Rush, nothing about the craft, just that... The search is underway. The craft's gone missing. And at that point, right, the Twitter discourse, as you would expect, is caustic, irreverent. Right. But it's more focused on the situation and the irony of it. Right. Just like we spoke about. Oh, uh, people uh, just convinced of the infallibility of their craft and dying. That's interesting, isn't it? That that was was an angle. Exactly. 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 Um. The same. The, the fact came out really quickly. It was a story that was really fast moving. At 6pm roughly that same evening, right? Monday the 19th. That's when that CBS film starts to see mm. the light of day. That's when, what was the guy called? Pogue? David Pogue? Yeah, David Pogue. There you go. Um, that's when we see the details of the build quality of the sub. That's when we start to see details of, you know, the, the, the ropey way he's controlling it. That waiver that we spoke about where it mentions death three times on the front page. <laughs> and that again, you start to get sense of the discourse starting to change yeah. a little bit. Um, at, uh, you know, what's this guy? At Andre Vedef. Um, I'll put a link to this tweet because it's hilarious. The device used <laughs> to see in the missing submarine near the Titanic. And it's a picture of like a boppet. <laughs> nice. Yes. You know what I mean? That That was kind of the the vibe of twitter but then things start to get a little bit rougher at half seven that evening right monday the 19th billionaire brit explorer uk billionaire (laughs) hamish harding on board missing submersible right this was sky news uh Mm. and 
you can't fail to notice that all of the media coverage describes this guy in terms of his wealth, right? Yes. Nowhere yeah. is he just referred to as Hamish Harding. Nowhere is he referred to as, you know, an explorer or an entrepreneur. I was about to no. say, or simply an explorer or businessman and things no. like that. How much money he has is important. Every to... single article mentions him as billionaire Brit, billionaire Hamish Harding. Um, the ice cream man is out there, just in case you can hear that. Delicious. <laughs> What would For you anyone get from wondering what the... if, you, if you were to go out there right now with $10 in your hand, what would you get? $10? Jesus. Yeah. Uh, a strawberry shortcake uh, mm. or a cherry dip. Delicious. Mm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, as you can imagine, in no time at all, that... Because that, that's a subtext in the media right there. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be continually calling him a billionaire Brit explorer. Right. Without an agenda, you know what I mean? Without, yes. without, without something, you know, without trying to make a point. Um, <laughs> and uh, again, at, at eight o'clock that evening, more details come out about Stockton Rush, the CEO, right? And this is less than 24 hours since the story is... Fuck less than 24 hours. This is less than four hours since the story broke. <laughs> yeah, Jesus right? Christ. Immediately. It's amazing how quickly this moved. <laughs> I, it was incredible. It was incredible. And uh, at this point, the the... The Twitter discourse seemed to become more hostile, right? Uh, yeah. The focus was more on the inequity of it all, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that you know uh, hundreds and hundreds of migrants perished uh, on uh, you know a, 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 a crossing to the UK some days previous. Absolutely no search or rescue efforts, none at all. Right. But in yet, fact, you know, the, apparently the Greek military had simply recorded and watched as it happened. Holy shit! Yeah, there's video of yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely vile, 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 vile. Um, and yeah, you can you can you can almost put a pin in the Twitter timeline at the point mm. where things turn nasty. Um, a quote from at Sailor Socialist: "The only thing that could make this whole Titanic submersible thing funnier is if, by some insane luck, they all get found alive and discover that most of the world was laughing at their presumed death." <laughs> Jesus Christ! Do you know what I mean? Ouch! Yeah, harsh. Yes, um, the very next day, 21st, right? Uh, sorry, uh, on the 20th, more details came out about the uh, the passengers. passengers yeah. uh, the, you know, and, and the rest of them start to get described in terms of their presumed wealth as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the Dawood guy and his son, they were consistently mm-hmm. referred to as one of Pakistan's leading families. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? One of Pakistan's brightest business minds. Yeah. You know what I mean? You start to assemble this picture that this is a pressurized tube full of money. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The next day you get news of the previous lawsuits that Stockton and Russia had to deal with, the safety concerns and the the hostility in the discourse just grows and grows and grows and grows. Um, And like you said earlier on, Obviously, there's some dissenting voices. Well, this, what if this was your family? It, these, there are right. people who are dying here. There are people, there are human beings here. But right. th- it really did feel like the huge majority of, of, of people's takes here were, eh. Yeah, I mean, and this is such an interesting element of it, too, because I think, again, there's some sort of, like, universality to this that, like, transcends politics and things like that. Like, there are, of course, those sort of people who uh, think that they're just temporarily embarrassed millionaires, right? At their heart, they're like, 
oh, why are we so hostile? We're, we must just be jealous of rich people and of stuff course. like that, yeah, as course, opposed to acknowledging the harm that rich people do in order to get very rich. Mm. Um, so, you know, there is that contingent of people. But I think the thing about this story is it kind of transcended all of that by virtue of the fact that it was, again, like deep hubris yes. that only rich people, it's a situation that only very rich people could afford to even get yes. into. Yep. It could not be my family because there's no way we could afford to be there, let yep. alone why would we in yep. such a transparent situation where you're so aware of the fact that like rich people are so insulated from consequence. Yes. And, and that, yes. you know, these people who you know, fashion themselves explorers and adventurers and yep. things like that, you yep. know, they, they've done all of these things, paid a ton of money to do things that are deeply dangerous and have yep. not faced any consequence for that. And therefore they have come to see themselves as invulnerable, as unsinkable yep. in ways that normal people know that we are not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the, even, yeah. you know, even reporting on, uh, Hamish Harding's previous adventures seem to have this kind of arch subtext mm -hmm. to it. I, you know, the guy had a Guinness World Record for yeah. being the fastest guy to have circumnavigated the Earth via airplane. Right. But yet still, that was all couched in, in kind of coded language mm -hmm. about his fortune, you know, his adventures. Um, yeah. Which is also like so deeply cynical on the part of like news organizations too because yeah, they yeah, love yeah. billionaires they yes. love rich yes, people yes. but they knew what they were doing by stoking the fires of class warfare in the mm. rest of us you know like they they knew they were going to get clicks because we're all mad at these people and because yeah. nobody likes these people it's a very cynical use of their wealth to yes. be like oh you know to paint them in this light and i don't think I think they got it right in this case. I mean, they should sort of be looked upon that way. Completely um, Much like, one of you know, like my views on fucking NFTs and crypto. Right, yeah. It's just rich people shit that we've invented for no fucking reason. Right, exactly that. And I think, you know, when it comes to the discourse around it, the real, like, only person I deeply feel bad for in that situation is the kid who was on that, you know? Yes. Um, from what his family has said, he apparently didn't want to go. Um, and was terrified of going. From what his classmates have said, uh, you would never know that he was the son of a billionaire. He was one of the sweetest human beings on the planet who dedicated himself to helping others, to encouraging people, to yep. you know just sitting and listening to folks when they had ideas and trying to help them figure out ways to accomplish their dreams. Yep. And yep. everyone who knew him said that like he was just a, a beautiful person. Um, and, you know, and I feel bad also for like his mother, because <laughs> I can imagine that probably, you know, if I were a mom and my husband was like, I'm taking my kid on this death trap, I would be like, fuck you. No, you're yeah, not. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not happening. And I cannot imagine she willingly was like, yeah, 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 do this. What a wonderful adventure. Uh, I imagine there must've been, you know, a tug of war over that and I have a lot of empathy yes. for that situation a person who as far as we know did not want to be there this was not hubris he knew he could die and he didn't yeah. want to be a part of it in the um, entire cast of characters and the entire you know chain of events uh I think I think the only focal point of empathy for me is that kid particularly if you yeah. believe the reports of him being reluctant to do right. it yeah and that may not be true but nonetheless mm. you know I don't think 
he's as responsible for this as the other ones are. Mm. But one thing that I noticed about this is, okay, so the, the media is spinning a narrative, right, about these these people and getting us all riled up about them. Uh, but, like, that, all of those sort of reports from his friends about how, like, wonderful and giving and all of that stuff he was, nobody else's friends said that about them. <laughs> and it's not that they were like, this person was an asshole or anything like that, but the, the things that they were known for were deeply selfish endeavors. They yes. were invested in their own good time. Yep. You know, they were adventurers, they were explorers, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. They weren't dedicated to conservation they yeah. weren't dedicated to making the world a better place for people they were using their massive amounts of wealth to just yeah. have the most fun yeah. risky time they 100%. could possibly have yeah I, I it was only today i learned that hamish was actually on the fucking bezos space plane yeah yep he fucking was hell. aboard the what was that called the blue. blue origin yeah that's the one yeah yep he he went on that like you know and James Cameron, like, knew several of these guys. Um, Josh Gates knew several of these guys. And that's kind of, like, the organ. I follow the Adventurers or the Explorers Club on Instagram okay. uh, because of Josh Gates. And, you know, they talked about them. And it's really, like, their legacy is, sure, a spirit of adventure. And that's a great thing for the human spirit or whatever. But at the same time, like, what have you left behind? It would yes. be a giant bummer for me if I died and people were like, she was such a good podcaster. Oh, completely. You know? completely. Like, she was really good at writing videos for YouTube, you know? <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't want that to be what, and I'm sure all these guys did want that to be what people said about them. But mm. to me, that's part of what doesn't make them empathetic figures for us is that they did everything for themselves. They didn't leave anything better for humanity with all of the, the money that they had, you know? Mm. I think that's part of why we have reacted the way that we have. Yeah, I mean, from a Joag point of view, you know, the 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 peripheral kind of events that were going on around this story as well just helped <laughs> to make it feel yeah. even more surreal and weird and yeah. fucking insane. Uh, yep. We've got to talk about the stepson. You've got to talk about the stepson. Fuck me. You know what I mean? I mean, all the while this was going on. Was he Hamish's stepson or was it one of the other? Hamish's stepson, yeah. Hamish's stepson while all this was going on, was just tweeting up a fucking frenzy, uh, declaring himself as single, uh, you know, uh, sex-tweeting Instagram models. Uh, Asking them to sit on him. To sit on his face. Like tweeting, yeah. you know, Tom DeLong from Blink-182, telling him he's going to be at his show tonight, uh, uh, you know, because I'm really worried about my dad who's who's underground in, in the subversal. Can I get a shout-out? Um yeah. He even shared like a DM that Travis Barker had sent him, like yes. being like, you know, thinking about you and your your stepdad or whatever. Like he was milking it, but like in a weird way, like in a yeah. very unaware yeah. way. Yeah. Get you know, getting into a kind of a Twitter argument with was it was it Cardi B or was it Uh I think it was Cardi B, yes. You know, talking about the the, the kind of the merit or otherwise of the of the of the people of the sub. Um just and then, of course, it also came out that, like, he had done prison time or yeah, jail time yeah, yeah, for stalking yeah. 
yeah, he was stalking some, like a bunch of women apparently, but it was just for one that, that he had stalked someone he did not know, mm. uh, but was making her life a, a living hell. And that he had also uh, threatened to shoot up a festival yep. last year uh, and had to be, you know, have his tickets rescinded from that and more security put up at the event because he was saying he was going to kill everyone there. Like just giant trash human so <laughs> that's what that's what you expect on, a billionaire's son to be like completely completely yeah um so yeah while the actual event is going on around the periphery you've got all of this fucking weirdness and then i think it was just before the debris was found who the fuck pops up but james cameron <laughs> yes you know what i mean like gaza bringing raul moat a fucking fishing rod and a couple of tins I don't know what any of what you just said meant. Very but British sure. reference, sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Raul Moat. Does that name ring a bell? No, the fucking not the guy. At okay, all. the Sunderland guy who shot a load of cops and and ended. Uh, I, I will talk to you about that another time. Anyway, okay. Yeah, James Cameron we'll, pops we'll up. Come back to that. Um. And I, I apologize, but I kind of thought we'd willed him into existence. Right? In a way that yeah. we have a habit of doing. Mm-hmm. On last week's fucking show, we talk in depth about how much I'm digging Terminator at the minute. Yes. And then next week, in a seemingly completely unrelated event, here comes James Cameron to fucking tell us how it is. Right. Yeah. And listen, uh, honestly, uh, people sort of, you know, we, uh, I think Richard or Sam, one of them sent us a tweet that was kind of making fun of uh, James Cameron info dumping uh, on on the air but honestly i think he was really the only one who was really was willing to tell it like it was in this case and to be to be able to go on because so many people were sort of trying not to um say anything that would be on the right side of respectful yes exactly And, and james cameron went in there and he appeared on various shows and basically was like, listen, I know these people, people I consider friends, especially yep. the, um, the, the pilot. Community. Yeah, right? Like, it's not a huge group of people <laughs> who have submersibles that are diving to the Titanic. Um, so, you know, especially the pilot, he, he knew pretty well. And these were people that he interfaced with regularly. And he was very clear that, like, they just did Titanic again. And it was all their fault. And that they had every warning that this was going to be the case and that yeah. this was wildly irresponsible. He was like, as soon as I heard about this, I knew exactly what happened. <laughs> he was like, yeah, for he sure. Was, he was, yeah, he yeah, was, he was like, candid. I knew they had imploded. Like, you know, that was very clear to me from the moment I heard what, you don't lose uh, comms and, um, gosh, I can't remember what the other thing was, but he was like, you don't lose both of these at the same time. Mm. Uh, it's like that said something catastrophic had happened um and yeah james cameron just sort of like just appeared everywhere and was like yeah just, this is <laughs> yeah put everyone's kind of worries into words pretty much i right, fucking knew yeah. was the, you know what i mean i know yeah, these there guys. was if, no other alternative <laughs> if i had a niche interest and part of my small tight-knit community was james cameron i, w- <laughs> I would you know i would expect him to kind of you know you'd know wouldn't you you'd, you'd know that yeah. he was there uh And then, of course, like clockwork, after all was said and done and the debris had been found and it was pretty much accepted that they'd imploded, that they would they would gas. uh, Along come the conspiracy theorists. 
Yeah. I mean, I should have seen that coming, but oh, yeah. I did not see that coming. Along come the conspiracy theorists. Uh, a, a senator, an actual fucking US senator, Marshall Blackburn, tweeted, uh, So the US Navy suspected they'd imploded. So why did they wait to make their announcements to the public? Interesting, isn't it? With the subtext being that it was, you know, a false flag to detract attention away from Hunter Biden. Right. Yeah. This seems to be sort of the, the, the things that I've seen are, this was all to distract from Hunter Biden. Yeah. Or those people who were in the sub had information on Hillary Clinton. <laughs> which is great. So I good. love that word. The Clintons in general. Yes. Uh, which is amazing. Um yeah, there's a large contingent of the conspiracy people who think, uh, I loved this. Like one of the, the most popular tweets about this from a conspiracy theorist was that she was like, oh, it seems really suspect. Like billionaires are pretty smart. It's crazy that they would go down to the Titanic in a yep. like uh, untested submersible. I'm like, no. Oh, you sweet thing. No, this is exactly yep. the kind of thing that billionaires <laughs> would do. Yeah. Like, of course. This, Yeah. You have to believe such just ridiculous things about wealth to think that this is not completely in the wheelhouse of people. Top reply to that tweet from a senator. It's a diversion, just like what's supposedly happening in Russia. (laughs) So good. It's so it's so bananas. And this was always the thing that like when I had my conspiracy theorist friend who I no longer talk to, but like having conversations with them was always so circular because any evidence that something was happening was evidence that it wasn't happening because yeah. all evidence is manufactured. And so if you are told anything is happening, especially if you see pictures or something that's clearly doctored and it's like, say it completely. Right. And it's like, how do I, like, you can't argue with that because like any evidence that you provide is mm. part of the conspiracy. The only thing you can trust is the absence of, Yes. Of evidence. Yes. You know, you can only trust your own common sense. You're, mm. you know, wake up, sheeple. Like, that's, your brain is the only thing you can trust, which is ridiculous mm. because our brains are not trustworthy without a lot of outside help. It <laughs> occurs to me that uh, by virtue of being on the Titan when it imploded, does Stockton Rush now join the annals of uh, French matey boy with his parachute suit? That was the first thing that I thought of. Was yes. like he's he's right up there with our what was Giza. his name? Oh, uh, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But, and the geezer, but... the geezer invented the Segway. Also died whilst using his own invention. Yes, I, I mean I've heard that. I've never looked that up, so I don't know if that's actually true or not. But I, I, I have definitely heard that parachute suit France. <laughs> Live uh, information, Franz Richelt. That's the guy who yes. leapt from the Eiffel Tower, and we have video of his death in his invention. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. the first person that I thought of with this, so, too, along with, of course, the builders of the Titanic. Yes, to the ranks of those killed by their own invention. Uh, yes. Their own invention I, and their own hubris. You welcome Stockton Rush to your to your ranks. Yeah, and listen, hey, if uh, if you have memes 
from this oh. that we have a thread already going in the in the Facebook of yeah. of memes related to this. But please add to that thread or tweet us them, uh, DM to our Instagram, whatever, because. Mm. You know, this is, again, it's like a very special moment where we all are talking about the exact same thing uh, and, you know, reacting with, I mean, this is a thing we love, right? Humor about death. Yes. Um, Yes. That this is the rare occasion where people are sort of on that wavelength on a broad scale because, you know, death is something that happens to all of us. Uh, and treating it with this reverence like it is always a somber and tragic event sure, is sure, something sure. that I think we try to shy away from. That Completely. you know, uh, This is part of the human experience that we all have to go through. And if it's fucking funny when you die, then yeah. like, let's laugh about it. If anything, <laughs> if anything, death is mundane. Right, exactly you know I mean? it that. It is so prosaic yeah. and everyday, it happens to everyone. So if some fucking rich dickheads give us the gift of finding just the most ridiculous ridiculously contrived and preventable way to cause your own death then i think there's something to celebrate there here here thanks thanks for that you guys yeah, cheers lads cheers <laughs> cheers lads. to that not a great uh, weekend for been... you but it gave us some chuckles yes it's been a very fixated week and um you know my condolences to those that lost people close to them oh, of but course. hey you know what? Again, it it happens to all of us eventually. Death and taxes, friends. Death and taxes. Uh, and it has given me all of my favorite horrors to focus on over the course of this past week. Uh, I will be looking with much, much, much interest uh, out for the next Joag event. Mm, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of see if it follows the same kind of media playbook yeah you know yeah i'm sure they've learned something from this entire thing on mm, how from, to from story how to breaking. create yeah, yeah 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 from the story breaking with no mass. facts to mm-hmm. you know twitter being largely concerned oh i hope they're okay oh no oh they're billionaires ah fuck them you know what i mean mm-hmm. very nice very nice uh, flow of events absolutely um, so yeah thanks for thanks for coming along on this journey with us letting um, me geek out about this particular horror and um you know let us know what you noticed in the discourse too yeah um, yeah yeah would love to hear about that basically i'm not i don't need to give up on fixating on this yet so anything you want to tell me about this <laughs> i am ready to hear more so you know fill me in what do you know that we didn't cover uh what memes have you seen yeah what did this make you think of what did you see on your social networks all of it tell us jack of all graves on all the things um yeah so much like titanium bonded with carbon fiber the stress is too much for us we gotta go here here and so we will over the course of this week do the same thing that we expect you to do yes which is of course stay spooky